tablets that are ready or electronic devices or your notepads and your pens. Because this is what I want to talk to you about, a simple word. I've been thinking about steps. Not the band. <laughs> that was a 90s rubbish band. Yeah, Josh's favourite. He's down on the, you know, giving it tragedy. Okay, it's, it's, it's not going to be a tragedy tonight. I wasn't talking about, I haven't been thinking about the band. I've been just thinking about steps. Steps that we make. The Bible has much to say about steps, about where we walk, about where we're walking, where our foot, where our foot. So I was thinking about uh, steps because just over the summer period, we actually had a day out with some of the family, and we, we decided that we were going to go to Pumba Park. And whilst we're in Pumba Park, we said we'd have a crazy game of, of rounders, and the Thorpes were against the Turners. And uh, it was a little bit, you know, out of sync because obviously they're older than us. That's what I'll say. Because we've been was there, and Josh was giving it large as always. But um, as, we, as we as we was there playing uh, rounders, uh, there was a, a ball that was thrown. Jordan had just hit the ball, and I run. Isaac thought it was absolutely amazing because my step got caught. He didn't know this at the time. I did a James Bond roll times two. And uh, just, there's no point laughing all you guys at me. I don't want to picture it, okay? They thought it was, Isaac thought it was brilliant. I rolled over, got her out, finally did get her out. But then what I realized a few days later, the doctor had, had said that I'd either sprained a rib or cracked a rib as a result of doing that. Isaac was fist pumping me. Dad, that was so cool. And I was giving it large a little bit, but inside I was killing internally. How did all that happen? Well, the point of it is this. My, my foot got caught in a divot. My step, you know, when I've... There's, Caroline will often say to me, it always happens, you know, to you. You're always doing something, she'll say to me. I've probably sprained my ankle at least three times. Anybody here ever sprained their ankle? It's incredibly painful. One doctor said to me one time, it's as painful as a break. I don't know whether that's true or not, but all I know is that my ankle, I don't exaggerate, it was all like that. It was so, so swollen. And uh, it was incredibly painful. All about steps. Walking, movement. You know, there's been times in my life where I've had a wandering step. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Certainly away from God. I've wandered from God. There's times when I've had a faltering step, when my foot has slipped. There's times where I've slipped, as I've just talked about. But there's also times in my life where there's been first steps. I've done something for the first time. But the step that I want to talk about tonight is none of those things, because what I want to talk about is the next step. And I want to simply ask you a question tonight, and I'm not interested if you've been a Christian for 40 years, because this applies to you, or you've been a Christian for just 40 minutes. The same, things apply, the same question applies to you, and this is the question, what is your next step? What is your next step? Simply, what is your next step? Because I believe that tonight, God wants to bring us to the point where we make a decision to take our next step. I want to say at the moment as a church, we're just working through and praying through. through. This is why I love this series that we're in of this week of prayer. Because we've been in prayer, we're going to continue to pray over the next steps, over the next season of what God wants to lead us in. Because I realize that if we don't have a plan moving forward, we'll stay static. Can I hear a yes or whatever? And that is the reality. 
If we do not have some next steps for our lives, a sense of purpose and direction, we'll just stay static. But you never stay static. What actually happens is you begin to drift. Some of you have been on holiday and you've been in the sea. And for a moment you were there and there was a nice rubber ring and whatever and everything was lovely. And you just put your head back just for a few moments to soak up the sun. And those few minutes ended up being a few minutes. Then you looked up and you was nowhere near where you were. Because what had happened? You had drifted. And that's what can happen in our personal lives, and that's what can happen in the lives of the church. We can actually drift, but God is wanting to bring us to the point where we don't drift, where we actually are intentional about taking our next step. This is what the Bible says in Proverbs 4 and verse 26. It says this, give careful, careful thought to the paths of your feet. Give careful thought to your ways, Haggai says. Give careful thought to what you are doing with your walk. I wonder if you've been thinking about, uh, carefully, about how you are walking, and where you are walking, and who you are walking with. A a particular um, powerful psalm to my life is Psalm 1, where it talks about don't walk in the way of sinners or mockers, but be be with people who are righteous. You need to read it for yourself. It's been a source of great encouragement to me at times because the opportunity has been to sit with mockers and to sit with those who are criticizing. But actually, not, that's not the way that God wants us to live and it's not where he wants us to walk. He wants us to walk in good places with good people. You see, some people are very quick to walk into trouble. It's littered through all of the Bible. In fact, in Proverbs 1 and verse 16, it talks about a group of people. And one of the things that they are is they are quick for their feet to rush into evil. They are quick to rush into those areas of of evil and and, uh, trouble and challenge. And if you are one of them today, I want to encourage you very strongly... You know, there are some situations, this is where a group of people, you know, I guess here tonight, but I want to say sometimes you've just got to walk with different people. I used to, when I was youth pastoring, I used to take that whole whole thought of, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Do you want to know that's a great message for young people? Because the temptation is, you go walking with foolish people. I used to say, if you walk with idiots, you'll become a... I'm sorry if you don't like the word. We're not allowed to use that in our house, but I'm allowed to use it in the church. We're not allowed to use the word in here. We get really in trouble for it. But the reality is some people here, listen, you need to start walking with idiots. Because you'll become an idiot like them. You may say, well, I'm going to influence them. I'm influence them. Okay, there's a point when you might be strong enough to influence, but that may not be now. So what you need to do is you need to walk with good people in good places. And God will begin to do something good in your heart. Can I hear an amen? It's all about the choices. It's all about the pathways. It's all about the steps that we take. So there are some people who are quick to rush into evil. But there's another category of people as well that I just want to say. There are also other people who get caught in the place of being static. They get caught in that step of... Being static, they get caught in a rut, and I've already mentioned it, they get caught drifting. I want to just take you to a story for men. A story that, again, has great uh, 
what can I say? It, it, it's, it's been it's been a real direction word for for us as a family. And we, we mentioned it when, when we actually did our interview a couple of weeks ago. If you're wondering where it is, it's found in Deuteronomy in chapter what uh, Deuteronomy chapter one. And I'm just going to begin at verse one. And it says there, these are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan. That is in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the, by the Mount Seirot. But then it says in verse 3, in the 40th year Moses spoke. Let me just give a context to that for those who don't know, because I don't want to assume anything. That what had happened, the people of God had been captive in Egypt for 400 years. That was never God's intention for them to be in slavery. But that's the reality. And God brought them out. Moses brought them out. And Moses was their leader. Miraculously, they came out. They came out with the plunder of the Egyptians. And the promise was the promised land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a good land. But it was full of giants. So it wasn't going to be an easy land to take, but God said, I've given you this land, and if God tells you something, you better bank your life on it. Can I hear an amen tonight? God has said something. We can bank our lives on it. We really can. We can go to the bank on it. And we can go to the bank on this. So the people of God were coming out. Moses had brought them out. But he asked, uh, you know, 12 spies to go in and just check out the land. There was two who came back with a great report. Joshua that and Caleb, they said, yes, it's all true. It's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. The grapes are like melons. It's just, it's just a terrific land. But there are some giants. But don't worry about it, Moses, because we can take them. We can certainly do this. But there was another group who came back and brought a bad report. And they said, we mustn't go up because there's giants. That, they're like 10 foot tall. We'll never be able to overcome them. And the people of God, their hearts melted. And as a result of that, a journey that should have taken 11 days ended up being 40 years. I want to just say prophetically, some people have been wandering around, and you've been here tonight, you've been wandering around, wandering around, and it should have taken a lot less than where you are today. But I've got a good message for you, because God wants to bring you into that place that he promised. You've got to just go believe me tonight and believe the word of God tonight. God wants to bring you into that place. But for these people, they have to go through a lot of heartache. There was a generation that was lost. A new generation had to arise. And what happened was, the word of the Lord came to Moses in verse 6 of the same chapter. And this is what it says. The Lord our God has said to us, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. It's now time to break camp and advance. I wonder if I could read that again and just at the end when I say break camp and advance, you can just join with me. So I just believe that we need to do that tonight. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you'll stay long enough at this mountain. Break camp, come on, break camp and advance. I'm going to do that again. Break camp and advance. And he says, break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites, go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Nagan, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. Verse 8, see, I have given you this land, go in and take possession of the land, 
the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. But the problem is, as I've already said, this people were stuck in a rut. And they were static. And they wandered around. As a result of their lack of obedience, and through disobedience, and if I can say this, a lack of courage and fear, these ten spies spoilt it for the millions of people who were part of that nation of God. This is the point that I want to make. They didn't take the next step. They didn't take the next step. There was a step that God was asking them to take, but they would not take the next step. And this is why I want to say, some of you know that you've been wandering and you've been doing all kinds of crazy things. And I'm going to give opportunity then, because I really do want the team to be able to pray for you, for God to just seal the response that you're going to make tonight. It's not going to be an emotional response. I want it to be a very clear response that God tonight, I want to take this step. You might already be a Christian, but I'm going to take this step. But there's others of us who've literally, you've been in a place where you've been for such a long time. You're stuck in a rot. You're stuck in a rot. And God is saying to you tonight that he wants you to bring you into the next <coughs> step. He wants to take you to that point where you move from where you are into where he wants you to be and where he wants you to go. Let me be clear, just because you take the next step isn't going to automatically mean it's where you want to be. What you are doing is you're moving towards where God wants you to be. Can I hear it on that? doesn't mean that you're just going to take the next step and that's easy. It doesn't mean like that. It just means you're now going in the right direction and you're beginning to move forward. And instead of drifting, instead of being in a rut, you're now moving forward into all that God has for you. I want to contrast this, if I may, just in the closing 20 minutes that I have with you because I've tried to just set it up as a people of God who wouldn't take that next step. But I want to contrast it with the story tonight. This is where we're going to settle it. Because there was a new leader. His name is Joshua. We we read of Joshua in Joshua in chapter 1. I love the Bible, how brutal it is at times. I'll just read it, it's not on the screen, but it says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses said, Moses, my servant, is dead. He just moves on. I mean, this guy had led them for such a long time. He was one of the greatest leaders of the Bible. You see, we sometimes get too sentimental. I want to tell you, God's emotional, but he's not sentimental. I'll say that again. God's an emotional God, he feels things. If we read the Bible, he feels his grief, but he's not sentimental. And sometimes we allow sentiment to get in the way of the next step of God. We sometimes have to just leave them some things in the past and bury them so we can move forward into all that we have. These people, you think, well, Moses, he was our great leader. But all it says of Moses is Moses is dead. Have you got it? Have you got the thought? We must make sure at Arena Church we don't ever wrestle and rest on sentiment. As soon as we start resting on sentiment, there'll be plaques to this person, there'll be plaques to another one, there'll be, there'll be you know, uh, books that are written. It's all nonsense. God is always a forward-thinking God. 
We can get very, I, I've already beginning, beginning to separate in my own heart. The reality is, you know, in 20 years' time or whatever God has for us, uh, we, Phil and I have talked about this. I'll just, this is a digression. We've talked about it. You know, at the moment, we're pretty much leading the church forward and we know and seen and hopefully loved by the majority of the people here. And I think you're appreciative of what we try and do and, and all that we are. But we also recognize that as soon as we hand it over, literally within a few weeks, you'll be on to the next thing. And too many leaders don't settle it in their heart. Because they're staying where they were. They want people to be, oh, listen, God's very grateful for everything that we're doing. But he's not a sentimental God. He's always working out his purposes. Always working out his purposes. So you know, some people are all wanting the fanfare and everything else. All I can say, and I've said this to some of our ministers, it's all going quiet, Phil. I'm, I feel like I'm really preaching up a storm tonight. But I've said to some guys, just get over it. And you've got to start settling it down. It's not just for ministers. We all have to do this. Things move on. Things move on. And we see here, that Joshua is now the new leader. He's assembled a new team. And they said, they hear the word of the Lord. You've got to go in and take this promised land. And I want to now refer you to Joshua chapter 2. Because Joshua did something very significant. Instead of standing 12, he said 2. I think that's a wise decision. That's why I'm not a big, big lover of big forums and committees. Lots of people. There's too many opinions. Everybody's got an opinion, haven't they? That's why we don't work, run on committees in the church, because everybody will have an opinion. If we said, what colour of this room should we be in? There'd be about 30 different uh, possibilities. What should we call Carpet, there'd be like 40 different things. That's why we don't do it. And Joshua just had two. And he says in verse 1, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim and said to them, Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. And so they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And they stayed there. Want to contrast where Moses was with where it is now. And I want to use Rahab as my help to help you to understand about next steps. Because what's interesting is this. That God sent and God allowed two men to go and stay in a prostitute's house. Now, some theologians have tried to dress this up. I've looked at it today. They've tried to say, well, actually, she wasn't a prostitute. Whichever one, way you want to look at it, she was a prostitute. She was selling herself. Now, what was common was for an, for an inn to be also a brothel of that day. That's what they say, the, the early you know, records, history, and theologians say. That was pretty typical. So that's why they were probably allowed to stay there. They didn't go and visit a brothel. They went to go and get a room, but she just happened to be a prostitute who was looking after it. Have you got it? But what I want you to notice about Rahab, oh my goodness, she carried just something. And many of you know this, but I just want to refresh your memories. Because I honestly believe we can learn something from Rahab tonight. So we see there that they go and stay at Rahab's house, but then verse 9, let me just... Well, just before we hit there, in verse 2, it talks about how the king of Jericho was told there's two men who've come from that group. And where are they? You've got to read it for yourself. Where are they? Because we need to arrest them. We need to go and do something with them. Because they knew what was happening. This, 
these, this huge crowd of people, they just knew something was happening. And the king of Jericho was now, what is going on? Where are they? I've heard that they've entered and they've come into your house. Where are they? And so what she did, she hid them. She took care of them. She, in my way, she probably risked, because if they'd have found her, she'd have been hung, drawn, and quartered, yes? She'd have been in a lot of trouble. But she hid them. My question is, why would she hide some people that she didn't know? We'll see the answer in verse 9 to verse 12. Because we see that this is what she says. She says this, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So all that who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt, and what you did in Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. You want to read the full uh, 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 account of this story, just look at Joshua chapter 2. And they go on to say, the spies say, okay, this is the way it's going to work. You've got to put a scarlet ribbon on your, on your uh, house so we'll know it's your house. You've got to make sure that all your family are in there. Because if they're not in that house, if they're not in that inn, they're going to be destroyed. It's all coming down, baby. So you better make sure that they're in. And the, the account says that all the family were in. And as a result of that, you, many of you know, the walls came down. God brought an incredible miracle. And they overcame the city of Jericho. But this is the thought that I want to make tonight. That we see a woman who took incredible steps of faith. She took the next step. And as a result of her taking the next step, this woman became the mother of Boaz. You say, well, who's Boaz? Well, Boaz is the great-great-grandmother of King David. You know this, many of you, if you read your Bibles. So we see this prostitute who started as a prostitute, but she realized that she wanted to get out from where she was she heard about the, this God, who she now heard about and was on her awe of, and she decided not to stay where she was, but she wanted to take the next step. I actually believe that she wanted to come out of where she was into something new. Can I hear an amen? And as a result of her coming out of that, God saw her faith. And as a result of that, she became the great-great-grandmother of King David, who then, if you read your Bibles... You go on to the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 6 because it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, was, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, who ultimately became, and I can read it all, became part of the genealogy of Jesus himself. All this from a prostitute. Not only that, but she was inducted into a hall of fame. Any sportsman here, particularly American sportsmen, they're big on it. They're like the hall of famers for the American football, and for the baseball, and for the basketball. But here we are, a hall of fame in Hebrews, and chapter 11, and verse 31. Because it says there, by faith, 
the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Because of her next step of faith, she entered into all that God had for her. So this is what I want to do. In the closing moments that I have with you, I just want to lay out five steps and five things that Rahab did that I believe we can learn from, we must learn from, and we need to enter into tonight. Because otherwise we will stay in that place that we described in Deuteronomy chapter 1, where we've been in this place long enough. And some of you have been there a long time. But God is wanting to move you forward into his purposes. He's wanting to move us as a church into his purposes. Please do not get settled where you are. Because God is wanting to move us on. God is wanting to move us forward. I think it was E.J. Sherman who used to say, God never changes, but he's always on the move. And the reality is, he never changes, but he's always moving us forward. And this is what he wants to do with each and every one of us tonight. And so we see from Rahab, Rahab, from this story, there are five things. First of all, point number one, we've got to break from the old into something new. See, she was willing to come out of the old into something new. Some of you tonight have got to stop the old practices, the old ways, the old thinking, the old mindsets. If I can say some churches, why they get stuck, is they're stuck in a particular style, a particular way of doing things. And they're expecting people to come in. Let me tell you, they won't. The world has changed. And the world is changing. The gospel never changes, but the way that we deliver it has to. I thought I'd get a better response than that. That is the reality. If you don't like it, what are you going to get? What are you going to get? Because the world is changing. Who would have thought that this year we would have voted to come out of Europe? Who would have thought that Cameron wouldn't have lasted his, his term? Who would have thought that probably the US are going to vote for Donald Trump to be president? Never in a million years. The world is changing. And if we do not ever look at that and think, God, what are you, what are you wanting to say in this moment? Phil often says, what is the next thing of God? What is the next thing that God's wanting to, wanting to do? Today, Hillsong, because Hillsong are already in it. It ain't Willow, Willow Creek Church, because they're already in it. It ain't Audacious Church, it ain't Bethel Church, it's already happening. What is the next thing of God? What is God wanting to lead us into? What is our next step? I'm not just applying this to you, I'm applying this to me. What is the next step of God? And if we want to enter into something new, we have to leave that which is old. Some of you, God has planned tonight for you to enter into freedom. I believe it. It's a new path. But you've got to leave the old to enter into the new. The second thing I take from, from this, Rahab, is that she leads us into a life of faith. In Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse 6, it says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. She could have easily stayed where she was. I thought, I'll just grin and bear it and hope for the best. 
By the way, it reports, again, I have to be careful, so just in a little bit study, they say she was the most beautiful of women. So she could have thought to herself, I'll just try and win it with my looks and my style and just see who I am. Now that wasn't the way that she was going to do this. She wanted to enter into a new life of faith. Let me say tonight that God has a plan for every single one of you. But it starts, it starts with faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't start by attending church. I mean, that's a good thing. It starts about faith in Jesus Christ. This is why we've committed to Growth Track. We want to help you to know God. We don't want you to know about him, just. We want you to know him. And he wants to know you. And Rahab entered into a life of faith. She realized that without this faith, she was never going to please God. And let me say, without faith in Jesus Christ, we'll never please God. You can do as many good deeds as you want, give as much money to the charity, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. God is wanting to lead us into a place and lead you into a place of adventure and purpose. Not only a new life of faith, He wants to take us nearer to our God-filled destiny. Rahab, as a result of the decision that she made, the next step that she made, she was now closer, nearer to her God-filled destiny. She had no idea that she was going to be the you know, great-great-grandmother of a king. No idea. But she knew that God had a purpose that rested over her life. I'll say it again. Some of you haven't had the best of starts. Some of you have done some terrible things. Some of you are even now doing some terrible things. But I want to say that this should not determine your life. God has another plan for your life. It's called his purpose that rests over your life. And it's a destiny that he has prepared for you, even in your sinful mess and all all the wreckage of your life. God wants to do a new thing in you. Do you not perceive it? God wants to do that new thing. And she realized it. Fourthly. She realized that the changes that she was about to make were going to affect the family and generations to come. Yeah, I'm I'm nearly through. I've said this before. Some of you here are first-generation Christians. And as a result of your decision you are now making, you are going to change the generations to come. I had a conversation with somebody today and they were talking about their grandchild, and they said that their grandchild, they know that God has said to them that God has got a different kingdom plan for their grandchild than what they were in. And I was just jumping for joy in my spirit as this lady was just telling me this, because that is the reality. The decisions that you and I make can change the course of another person's life. They will change our children. They will change our grandchildren. Can I get an amen? And lastly, as we take steps of faith, it opens up to new opportunities and landscapes. New opportunities and landscapes. She had a new opportunity, a new landscape that opened up to her. Let me finish by saying this. You can't expect something new by continuing to do something old. And I'm driving the point, but I just honestly believe with all my heart, whether you know, whether it's been communicated 
well or not. All I'll do, I want you to get this. God is wanting to bring every one of us, every one of us, into a new place. But it takes the next step. It takes the next step. The next step. Because some of us have been saying, the one that knew, but you continue to do that thing which is old. And I'm not talking about sinful stuff. I'm not talking about addictive stuff necessarily. I'm talking about stuff, old patterns, old mindsets, old ways of doing things. And you expect this to be new. It ain't going to happen. God is wanting to bring us all into something new. And it takes the next step. So, for some of us here tonight, if I can be really bold, some of you, you may know about God, but you may not really know God. Your next step is actually submitting. Submitting your life to Jesus Christ. Submitting your life to Jesus Christ. I wouldn't normally do this, but I think some, some tonight, possibly if that is you, because in a moment I'm just going to open it up. We're just going to have a few minutes. We're going to be finished at nine. Certainly we'll finish the meeting. And if this crowd that needs to continue, then that's fine. Some of you, you may have put your hand up, but nothing changes. But God tonight wants to do something. He wants to break the chains. Phil prayed, I was praying that this morning, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. You're not been able to see, but now in this moment, you just see it. You're seeing the love of Jesus, and you know, you need to come to the front, you need to kneel, you need to get your life right with Jesus. You need to get your life right with Jesus. You need to submit yourself to Jesus. And, that, and give him everything. Don't just say you have part of me. He wants all of you. Or don't give him any of you. He wants all of us. He doesn't just want a part of us. He wants all of us. Some of you, that's what you need to do. Some of us, the next step is, we've got a baptismal coming up on the 2nd of October. You may have never been baptized in water. You know Jesus. You might have a fear of water. You might have a fear of looking dark in water. You might have a fear of whatever it is with regards to going under the water. But I want to say, your next step is being baptized in water. If you are not baptized, I encourage you to come and put your name down. Some people here tonight, you need to get free from stuff that's been surrounding you. You need to come forward. You need to ask somebody to pray with you and we'll anoint you with oil. We'll believe together and stand with you that God will break the chains that have been holding you fast. I wrote down, some, some people here, your next step is you've got to find an accountability partner. You're spending too much. You're out of control. Some other people, there's behaviours that are out of control. You need to get an accountability partner. That's your next step. That's the next step that you need to do. You need to get with that person, seek out a godly, wise, confident, co- confidential person who you know can help you and let them walk it with you. Walk it through. What is your next step? There's just a few things. Have you been held back by fears? Then you need to come and Prayed for it. Don't allow those fears to hold you back. Some may have a new venture in the heart, a new thing that they want to do, and you've been camped here. And God wants to launch you into your new thing. If it's a God, if it's a God, I've already said to you, bank on it. Don't, don't just have too much cheese and, you know, I've got a dream. 
you know, you've got to know it's from God, weigh it. I was talking about that with Andy just a, a, a minute, an hour ago. Just about a word, two or three words that came to me. It's not just been one person, two or three people. Don't weigh things. Don't weigh things in your heart. What is your next step? I wonder if the guys would just come just help me tonight. Said I know it's warm. I know some of you want to get home. If there's nobody who comes forward, then that's fine. But I hope that's not the case because I really have prepared it not to create an emotional response, but to create the next step. And actually, this is the environment to do it because I'm not going to make it easy for you. Because what would be easy for you is stand to your feet and raise your hand and where you are and I'll, and we'll get somebody to come and pray for you or whatever. I'm not doing that. If you want prayer this evening, you need to come to the front.